everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 197. Hooray! Yay! Greetings from Snow Cops. I can't even say it. Snow Apocalypse. Hooray! No, we're the Snow Cops. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're the Snow Cops. We stop it from snowing. (laughs) We failed. We can go with that. (laughs) All all of those are better than what I was going to say, which is the Beast from the East had us bent over, but you know. Oh, man. I, Beast from the East is like a weirdly, like, I don't know. I, I really I, hate that as a term for this. I really hate that as a term for this storm because every time anyone mentions it, I think of fucking Brock Lesnar in the WWE. Oh. oh. Right. Well, <laughs> for, for anyone listening to this podcast for the first time, I'm deeply sorry. <laughs> but we are Glitch Free Gaming. We're a podcast about video games. Believe it or not, video games. Occasionally. Board games Occasionally. and. <laughs> and the, uh, just important and, world uh, news like the snow apocalypse. <laughs> yes, yeah, and uh, Paul going on about weird, strange WWE wrestlers. Paul is not even a good wrestler. No, he's not dead. <laughs> Uh, joining us today is a cat that's needing uh, a cuddle, um, and uh, three guys that are playing video games. I so mean, I, could, I could use a cuddle as well, to be fair. Well, I think, I think we all could. <laughs> yes. How come? So if you need a cuddle, oh, the cat's taking all our cuddles. <laughs> so uh, without any further ado, uh, shall we talk about some video games? Sure. Yeah. Cool, excellent. Uh, Paul, you have been playing um, not a lot. Actually, no. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot at all. (laughs) All right, okay, so you're just going to leave it there then. You've not been playing a lot, lot. moving on. I've been playing a lot at all. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've been playing Need for Speed Payback, which is a little weird for me because after the Need for Speed Underground series, I said they went terrible and they weren't good games. I'm actually quite enjoying this. Um, I don't know what's come over me because they haven't really changed that much. But Mm -hmm. it's a pretty fun game. Um, I think maybe because it's a mixture of race classes rather than just pursuit crap that's been in a lot of the other ones. Um, So there is... You know, you have to do some of the pursuit stuff, but those are called runner missions where you're delivering packages or people and getting chased by the police. Um, there's standard street racing, there's off-road racing, there's drift competitions, there's time trial runs. Pretty much everything you can think of yeah. under, you know, the, sounds, the racing like banner. Racing yeah. Um, the story in it, I mean, it's... It's fairly mediocre, but it's fun nonetheless. <laughs> Does it have FMV again? Um, yeah, yeah. Like actual it... humans in video? No, no, it doesn't actually. Oh no, the last one had that. That's a shame. No, no, that doesn't have actual humans. Um, just cutscenes. Um, the game, it looks pretty nice. I mean, it doesn't look. It's not. Forza Horizon or Gran Turismo nice but it has some fairly nice draw distance on it and it's just it's fun um, it's added in a lot more 
race cu uh, car customization back into it. So you can download vinyl wrap skins that people have customized and put together. In the case of me, I've been buying a lot of cars that were used in the Fast and Furious series and buying the skins for those that were on them in the Fast and the Furious series. That probably says a lot about my movie taste, to be honest, rather than yeah. the game itself. It seems like you should <laughs> buy an Xbox One and play Forza Horizon 2's uh, Fast and Furious tie-in thing that they did. Probably. Uh, but no, it's, it's... To me, it's a return to what Need for Speed was, which was a fun racing game that had vast amount of car customization, um, right down to... This one lets you change headlights, side skirts, rims, tire type, brake caliper type. But all of the customization is exterior. The internal customization is all done through a thing called speed cards, uh -oh. which are obtained through cap uh, finishing races or through spending in-game currency. Uh -oh. See, I was talking about this before, and <laughs> Kieran said there was a loot box problem with this at launch. In my opinion, there's not now. I never played it at lunch, so I cannot pass judgment or comment on that. And I haven't done, you know, enough digging into it to to find out whether it was as bad as it was made out to be or what. With it being AA, it probably was. They've entirely rebalanced it now. You do get loot boxes for finishing chapters and finishing key points. But, I mean, I was playing the whole game and when went back into, you know, you can buy a garage and park all your cars in there and go and customise them. I went in there and it then informed me that I had 27 loot boxes to open. Hmm. I, yeah, I wonder if at some point they just patched anything going, I don't know, just fucking give them out like candy because... I, yeah, I didn't even know there was a, a loot box yeah. thing in the game until that happened. And then I was that like, oh. or maybe it would be like... Um... Shadow of War, where you're going to hit a wall towards the end of it, where it's like, you physically can't win any more races unless you spend a billion pounds on loot boxes. I mean, if it does that, I'm going to be severely peed off. Yeah. But I've got through five chapters of the game so far, and it wasn't until maybe the last chapter of the game that I realised, oh wait, there's loot boxes in this? I knew you could buy... From the pause menu, I knew you could buy like stuff, but I just thought it would maybe be, you know, as is coming commonplace in a lot of games, if you buy this pack or something, we'll give you an extra bonus of a million in-game currency to buy what the hell you please. Yeah. I didn't actually realise that there was loot boxes. So whether that says a lot about how they've rebalanced the game and how they're handing them out, or the fact that you don't really need to use them, it became, actually became very nice for me because I got a lot of money and went and bought a lot of upgrades for the cars I had in my garage and bought a couple of new ones that I wanted to buy. That it means I didn't have to re-race races to get. That's fair. Um, so they're probably just a way to skip some grinding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if I hadn't known they were there, I would have been quite happy to re-grind out some races and get better scores, especially the drift races. It keeps your score every time you do one and then sets that as the new score you have to beat to pass the race to win money. 
Okay, so you just so, kind of repeat it, beating your own yeah, score. Yeah, and to... doing every one of those, I'm like, beat my own score, beat my own score, beat my own score. And through doing that, I've got really, really particularly good at the drifting in the game because I'm enjoying doing that. So now every time I go into one of those, I'm like, okay, I just need to beat my own score. That's good. And going back and doing the lower drift races now where I set really crappy scores because I just learned how to do it, becomes really easy. And then on purpose, I'm not beating them by too high a score so I can go back in and redo it and get more money. That seems like a weird kind of way of gaming a system. <laughs> it is, it is. But I'm like, oh, I've beat my score. Just drive to the end of it and don't bother drifting at all. That's bizarre. Um, but hey, what? It, tell you what, it works. I get more money to buy more stuff. Um, I could, you know, I could buy loot boxes and from every one of those, I think they're called base crates that you get you get somewhere between five and twenty five thousand in-game credits okay i don't know how much a bit i I haven't even looked at how much a base crate costs because i have no interest in paying anything for anyone anything so i haven't done it i just don't care so i couldn't tell you how much those are if anyone wants to look that up feel free I'm not going to because I don't intend to buy them and I don't think anyone else should because the game is fully playable without using them, in my yeah, opinion. That's fair. Yeah, um, I wonder if they went in and rebalanced it at some point because there was also a lot yeah, of backlash to both this like and it. Battlefront. Yeah. And their yeah, response the... in Battlefront was, I don't know, what if you just can't buy them anymore? And it's like, that doesn't really fix the problem with the game being really grindy because of it. And it's like, well, eh. <laughs> Someday we'll put them back in, maybe. Um... I mean, oh, that's what they're called. They're called base shipments. Oh, shipments. Um, and you can get premium shipments as well. Uh, I feel like, did you play the, the last the, Need for Speed game? No. Cause I feel like you would probably like that one. Probably. I haven't given them a, I haven't given them a lot of love yeah. because I played a few after the Underground series and really didn't like them and where they were proceeding with it. Well, that one was specifically trying to be like the Underground series. Ah, well, in which case I should probably pick it up. Like, it's all nighttime streets and neon and stuff like that. Well, yeah, there's a lot of, of that in this one. So vanity items that you can pull out of those shipments include things like neon underglow, tire smoke colour, flame colour that comes out of your exhausts. Like the early fucking 2000s again. Custom car horns and uh, air suspension for your vehicles. Great. Early 2000s and, never went away. Uh, yeah. My favourite thing I've done so far is I've dropped a Land Rover, an old Land Rover 90. I've dropped it all the way to the floor and cambered the tyres so much that they look like they're almost vertical. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> it looks fantastic. I will send you both a picture later on. Sounds like it's like I, a I took a picture hovercraft. of it. It, it does. Um, <laughs> it's a shame that when you camber the tyres and lower the suspension on it, it drives like utter crap. Well, yeah. Um, of course, but I like the I like the fact that if you do make those modifications to the car, it changes how it drives, yeah. rather than just making them for a vanity reason. It doesn't change how the car drives at all. Because mm-hmm. if you camber your tires, your car becomes better at drifting. So in my drift vehicle, I've got the rear tires cambered and the front ones not, so that it drives straight but drifts better. Okay. So it's it's actually really fun to go in and customize stuff and figure out how things work and. You know, I'm I'm enjoying a Need for Speed again. I didn't think I'd ever be able to say that. 
I am. Um, again, I think maybe because you can drop in, do a set of races in half an hour and be done with it. Yeah. Because you, the story's cool and you you know you're interested in it a little bit, but at the same time, it's not keeping you there long enough to sit and play it for like nine, ten hours at a time. Yeah. You can drop in, yeah. do a set of races, finish a series, drop back out, and not touch the game again for two or three days. Drop back in, you know, you, you're not going to be, oh, where am I? I'm entirely lost where I am. No, there's flashing icons that tell you where the next race series is. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Does it Who still have, about... like, a kind of open world to drive around in? Because that's oh, kind yeah, of no, the thing an, they've been pushing in the recent Need for Speeds. It's an entirely open world. Uh, it's got pretty decent draw distance and it looks pretty good yeah. um i mean they're probably using look... the same engine they use for everything the, yeah the i mean it looks one. it looks not as good but almost as good as the assassin the new assassin's creed game Jeez. it looks almost as good as origins with like the mountains and stuff when you're driving through the mountains doing drift things yeah. all I of mean, the cars the cars, the cars didn't look great in origins no, the cars didn't look great in Origins at all. Although my Chocobo looked wonderful. <laughs> Chocobo did look fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, the cars look really fun. They've got a good mixture of cars in there. They've tailored the cars you can buy at the start very much to people who would be into the whole Fast and Furious thing and that kind of style. So you can pick up like a Nissan Skyline, Mitsubishi Lancer, Honda S2000, for off-road, they're giving you like a Land Rover or uh, a Ford F-150 Raptor pickup truck, or you can have a rally version of a, a Ford Focus RS. So the, 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 they've tailored it really well, and they seem to have pinned down their market of, hey, our fan base is probably the people who <laughs> were really into street racing as kids and grew up with the Fast and the Furious series. Yeah, they're at that point where they're like, look, we we made these super fi- popular famous games and then they lost their popularity but then this movie series that was very similar to them became super popular so we should probably just go full circle and start copying that movie series yeah and <laughs> yeah. Spo- spoiler warning for the, the start of the game Vin Diesel the entire it. like they know the entire <laughs> first chapter of the game is you <laughs> with your crew one who's a runner who specializes in like driving away from the police and dropping off packages one who's a really good racer and one who's a, an off-road specialist. And your entire setup is stealing a Pagani Waira from a guy in a heist from a truck yeah, on the freeway. Right. Yeah, it's, it's basically just dragged, it, it's just dragged straight out of Fast and Furious. It really is. How, how many times do people mention family? Um... <laughs> It's not been mentioned <laughs> how, yet. How many Coronas do people drink? <laughs> a lot. No, there's actually no, <laughs> there, there's no Coronas in the game, but I mean, the, the premise of it is... I feel like they missed, that, they missed what Fast and Furious was really about. That goes tits up. Uh, and that goes tits up and it's set up by this shadowy organisation who's taken over the town crime uh, called The House, which is funnily enough because, you know, it's set up like Vegas... So yeah. they're called the house, and there's loads of casinos, and they run all the casinos, and they run all the street racing outside. Um, and in... you know the whole premise of the game. The rest of the story is you're trying to get payback on the house. Oh, payback! Oh, because the yeah. game's called Need for Speed. Yeah, yeah. I get yeah. it. 
<laughs> so yeah, um, did they drag the entire storyline out of the Fast and the Furious franchise? Yes. <laughs> did they drag all of their cars and who they're targeting it at out of that? Yeah, they did. Am I complaining? Not in the slightest. It's probably the reason I like it so much. Fair. Um, and yeah, no, that's all I've been playing. Unlike you guys <laughs> would see. Well, actually, I want to know something that Kieran's been playing. How has Dragon Ball Z Fighters been treating you? Because I'm severely tempted to pick it up on Switch. Uh, it's, well, it's not on Switch, but... Uh... Oh, oh, oh <laughs> Fighters isn't on Switch. It was, no, um, uh, Xenoverse 2 is on Switch. Which yeah, is, I was tempted I like, to pick I that like up. that game a lot. I'll probably be talking about that next week because a bunch of DLC just came out for that. All right, um, okay. But yeah, Fighters I... is the one made by the same people as Blaze Blue, right? Yeah, uh, it's using the Guilty Gear engine. It's uh, a tag okay, so game. That is... Yeah, that's the one I want. Yeah, it's a tag game, kind of similar to like Marvel vs. Capcom. It's super easy to get into, but then has like a bunch of depth that's kind of, you know, just really, really good. Um, I've been playing a bunch of it online, like ranked multiplayer, which I don't do with fighting games because I'm terrible at fighting games. This is the first one that I'm actually kind of sticking with and kind of learning how to play. Um, so it's been pretty good so far. I've not got the best win ratio in the world, but it's not that bad either, I guess. Um, but I've been putting in like a couple of matches like every other day, basically. and It's just super fun. It's just super flashy, super fast-paced. Um, it has enough depth to you know have all these crazy combos and stuff like that but it's kind of simple enough that it's good for learning kind of the basics of fighting games um but then also i'm at the point where so it's like marvel versus capcom you have a team of three people and i i'm not quite at the point yet where i'm choosing my team based on how they play off of each other i'm still very much just being like well, I like Vegeta, so I'll use Vegeta, because Vegeta's cool. Um, yeah. But I, I'm enjoying that game a lot. I, I've i not played a match. Like, I've been playing bits of it here and there, but it's not... You know, I've not been playing the story much, or the arcade mode much, or anything like that. It's just been ranked multiplayer, which has been good. I found that even the matches I'm losing tend to be pretty close, so it's it's always got that kind of that tension of, like, a fight could go either way. Yeah, yeah. I I tried to play some of the beta, and it just didn't work for me. Um, I'm still really tempted to pick it up, though, because it's Dragon Ball Z, and I want to pick it up. <laughs> you should. It's genuinely fantastic. It is one of the best fighting games I've played in ages. Um, you know, It's it... between that or holding off for the Blaze Blue Cross RWBY Cross yeah. Persona for Arena. I am interested in that one. Um, their DLC plans for that game kind of put me off it, but we'll see. And that one is coming to Switch, so I might end up getting that on Switch. Yeah, um, I'm wait. I'm... I'm tempted to wait on Fighters and see if that comes to Switch. I really I am. It probably will eventually. Um, there's no reason for it not to. Like it's running on the Guilty Gear XR engine, which is yeah. to be fair is like Unreal Engine three with you know some special art stuff they did to it. Um, 
But yeah. like Guilty Gear Xrd was on PS3 and ran fine. And the Switch is more powerful than that. So it's not as powerful as these current gen consoles that it's running on, but they should be able to handle it. And the file size is already tiny. Um, one thing I do yeah. really like about it, kind of fan servicey thing, is um, it has it's, the game is fully voiced in both English and Japanese. So like okay. even the story mode, so you can switch between them. Defaults Japanese, but then it has all the English voices, and they got like all the voice actors from the anime. So everyone you'll okay. recognize. You know, Chris Sabat is back and he voices, you know, the seven characters he voiced in the show. Um, and it's really good. Um, it's weird hearing, like, the characters from Dragon Ball Super speak in English because I've only watched that in Japanese. Uh, right. So hearing those characters speak in English, I'm just like, hmm. I guess that makes sense for how they would sound in the English version. Yeah. But yeah. Um,. Yeah, I'll probably. It's one of those ones I'll probably be checking back in on. I mean, I'll probably be playing it pretty much consistently going forward, but I'll be checking back in on on the podcast every other week or so. Um, as I play more of it, hopefully get better at it. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully by the end of the year, I'll still be playing it, and we'll. I'll have a fighting game that lasts ages. Or maybe I'll just end up going back to Tekken, or Soul Calibur will take over or something. <laughs> I actually need to pick up a fighting game. I've not played a fighting game in so long. I recommend either getting Dragon Ball Fighters or Tekken because they're both really good games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Just just an update on because the last podcast I was talking about uh, Dissidia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That don't don't pick up Dissidia. <laughs> really? Uh, I, not because it's a bad game. I'm just uh, I've not played it. I've I played it when I bought it and I played it a little bit after we spoke about it on the podcast and that's been it. I've found something else to play. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the city and it's, I don't know if you guys, I think you guys felt the same, but the last soul caliber, maybe not as strongly as I did, but it felt that, you know, when you get the game and everything's unlocked, there's no point in playing it to yeah, you know to a certain degree um, yeah i don't think the last soul caliber have unlockables well uh soul caliber excuse me soul caliber in the past did you know because you had to finish the story mode or the arcade mode with certain characters to unlock other characters yeah. Yeah. and then there was the the whole um the blade system mm-hmm. where you know, you with so many diff- uh, wins and so doing uh, certain things, you got different blades that you could equip to your characters. Yeah. Um, Dissidia kind of had that as well. The only thing you can do now is you just fight and fight and fight, and you buy music. Um, oh, but... Yeah. It's, I mean, whatever. I like, is... I like music. <laughs> Music's good. It, it's a good game, but it's. I don't know. Um, there are much better fighters out there, put it that way. Yeah, it seemed like a bad idea for it to launch so close to Dragon Ball Fighters. Um, like, even if you're not playing that, like, anyone that's in the fighting games really is mostly playing Dragon Ball Fighters now. Like, it is. Yeah, know, that game I mean, is going to be evil. It kicked Marvel vs. Capcom out. 
I was going to say, didn't it kick Marvel off of Evo? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the last Marvel game kind of kicked Marvel out of Evo. You know, no one wants to play Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. It's not doing super well. Which is a shame, because I kind of... Well, I was going to say I kind of liked that game. It was it's, okay. It's okay. I preferred Injustice, too. Yeah, uh, a lot of people did. But it's that thing where Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite was an okay fighting game, but also an intensely ugly one. And <laughs> that doesn't make for good viewing, which is kind of part of what tournaments need to succeed. And apparently it's doing okay in like the tournament circuit in America, but it's dead everywhere else. So it's not showing up at the big tournaments like Evo and stuff because why would it like you know they appeal to a worldwide audience now there's no point in you know just going hey here's this yeah yeah um Mike you've been playing a game that I've also been playing uh maybe you picked up Bayonetta for your Switch I did yeah so I picked up (laughs) so I picked up a the physical version of Bayonetta 2, which came with the the downloadable copy of the the first one, Bayonetta, mm-hmm. and uh, so this is the it's the third time that I've owned Bayonetta and the second time that I've owned Bayonetta 2, <laughs> and it's the first time I've actually played quite a decent amount of it. Uh, the first time I played Bayonetta was on Xbox 360, and I only played. I think I'd got to chapter two, and at that point, the difficulty level was already, you yeah. know, huge. Bayonetta 1 definitely uh, has, like, that instant difficulty spike. 2 doesn't really have yes. that so much, but 1 is just like, hey, get good, or else. Yeah. So what had happened was I had I downloaded the, the first one, and uh, I watched the opening sequence of Bayonetta 2 and I thought let me go back and I'll play a little bit of the the first one and I've really got into it so so far I'm on chapter 9 and it is it's still a really good game it holds up really well Uh, the difficulty level it's still difficult there's still things you know that you're doing over and over again but it doesn't seem as difficult as it was when it originally came out um, uh, I don't think they've adjusted anything. I think you've just gone. No, better. I don't. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they have. I think you know, Bayonetta set. It was the, you know, the the kind of the the Dark Souls of of the time when it came out. It was you know this game is really good, but man, is it punishingly difficult? Yeah. And yeah, I don't think the difficulty w- has been adjusted. Um, I think you know, like you say, we have gotten better. Um, or we've gotten used to it rather mm. um, but yeah it's still really good um, and the game is still nuts as ever uh, you know those cut scenes uh, the dialogue with Bayonetta it's just absolutely mental the, the, there's a bit in I've just got to and um, there's a puzzle that needs to be n- manipulated it's uh, three gears and there's a pole in the centre and if you turn the pole it will turn you know all the gears the cogs and then it'll allow you to complete the the puzzle that you need to get done but with bayonetta being bayonetta when you go near a pole and uh, you know you push y to interact she mounts the pole like a pole dancer of course she does and it, <laughs> it's just um 
but th- this time you don't actually, you know, she, you don't see her doing a dance or anything because they, the, the camera zooms straight up and then you obviously just manipulate the, the cogs so that yeah. you can fix your puzzle. But it's implied. Um, it's implied, yes. Uh, they haven't changed anything. I, I was surprised. I think we spoke about this when it came out in the Wii U as well. Is I was surprised that they didn't change anything in terms of the the content, the the language. You know, on Nintendo consoles, you've got <laughs> published uh, by Nintendo. Is about yes, published by yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's very goofy with all of it, but yes, it is very. There's a lot of yeah. I mean, stuff. You, yeah, you've got. You know, never mind the, the innuendo. You've got Bayonetta who shit fucks, pisses, and well, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. She curses her way through it, and there's. Uh... But then also, <laughs> like landed... the bonus, the bonus costumes they added in the Wii U version that are also in this version are, you know, like a sexy peach outfit. Yes, yeah. It's like really. <laughs> I didn't know that the. It shows you how much I played the Wii U versions, but I didn't know that those bonus outfits were in the the wii u versions yeah um at least in two i never played the wii u version of the first one um right because i only picked up two but yeah they had and they're good there's actually more in two i assume all of them are in the switch version um because there's only three i think in the the in this version um uh on the switch version on bayonetta yeah there's only Yes, yeah, there's only three. I haven't played... I've purposely not played uh, Bayonetta 2 because um, I'm doing really well. Uh, You know, I'm on chapter 9. I think there's, if I remember, is it 17 chapters or so? That sounds Um, believable to me. Um, Yeah, the the game is not... I don't think it's too long. I I mean, action games of that type are never usually that long. Devil May Cry games are not super long. Yeah, so I'm like eight hours in, I think, that I've been playing it, you know, I've been saving, mm-hmm. and I think I'm about seven, eight hours now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, the game still plays really well. I, I don't know what to, really what to tell you. The, uh, you know, the Digital Foundry did the, the tests, and they've, uh, they're saying that the game runs on, is it 60 frames a second in yeah. handheld mode? and. Yeah, it's like, it's like a solid six frame second, which the other yeah. versions didn't really have. They said they basically the summary of their thing was the only way to play Bayonetta that is better than this. The only two ways that are better than this are um, on the PC, obviously, or mm-hmm. on the the Xbox One X because that comes with all of the like resolution bump and stuff like that for right backwards compatible games. But they uh-huh. said like. But it's that thing where you also get it portable as well, so it, you know, pays off for that. Uh, yeah, I've, uh, I think I've played most of this in portable mode. Yeah, same. Um, because I played it. We were, uh, we had a friend's wedding, so I wasn't near a television, so but I had my Switch. So, you know, when we're staying in the hotel and things like that, I was playing it then. And before that, I think we were away somewhere else for the week. Oh, yes, yeah, I was visiting the folks. So mm-hmm. I played it then as well. Um, yeah, it's it's good both ways. Uh, I think 
I don't think I have much of a preference. I I just love the fact with the Switch, with any game that you play on the Switch, where you can play it on your big fancy TV, and then you can just lift it out of stock and hop on your train or hop on your bus to wherever you're going, and you can yep. play it on the way there. Yeah, it doesn't stop being impressive to have massive console games portable. Like, being able to play Bayonetta portably has not stopped being cool. Exactly, yes. Like, we've never... The closest thing we've had to this before is, you know, maybe the Vita could play some games of the generation before it slightly on there, but there wasn't a lot of them that made it over. Well, there was... Yeah, there was the Sly Cooper, um, the Sly Cooper trilogy. Yeah, um, and the Ratchet and Clank and the Jack and Daxter trilogies. They all came out, but this yep, is just more uh, like this feels less. I mean, Bayonetta was a game that came out last generation, but it feels closer to this generation for, in some ways. It feels more yeah. impressive. Okay, but then take Splatoon Two. Splatoon Two is a console game. It's an online. Yeah, definitely. You know online match thing but you can you can pick it out at stock and you can play it when you're away from your tv and away from your home internet connection you're playing and you're fighting people doing Mm -hmm. a splat fest you know when you're visiting your folks so yeah it's yeah it it doesn't stop being impressive (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely not um there's currently a thing on the the Nintendo store right now, so if you buy either Bayonetta or Bayonetta 2, you get the other one at a discount price. Yes. So if you've got Bayonetta 1, you can download Bayonetta 2 for £25. Yeah, that's what it's showing up for me just now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's quite a good deal as well. So yeah. that's not too bad. Um, yeah, Kieran, what are you, how are you finding it? Uh, any complaints, any gripes? No, I'm trying a lot. Um, I think it's it's one of those games where, just for the style of game it is, it hasn't really aged at all. You know, it's it's it, it feels as good now as it did at the time. Um, yes. I think my one complaint about it is that the camera's a bit iffy in some of those earlier levels, but it's only in the earlier levels, and it's one of those things where once you get past it, it's like, whatever, fine. Um but a couple of those early yeah. levels are a bit more confined and there's a lot of the camera clipping through things and you're like, well, I just can't see anything in this fight and I'm dead now, great. Um, but there's only like uh-huh. a couple of boss fights and stuff that happens. And, and once you get through that, it's like, okay, no, this game's just great going forward. <laughs> so I'm only on chapter five. Uh-huh. I'm not quite as far as you. Um, I never finished this game before either, but I got a bit further than this in the PS... I remember it was in the PC version. Um, because the PS3 version had like terrible frame rate and stuff, so I think I gave up on that one pretty quickly. Um, but I played right. it a bunch on PC. So, but yeah, this this Switch version is great. I this is probably my favorite way to play it. If anyone was like, "Hey, I want to play Bayonetta. Where should I get it?" I'd be like, "Switch." Like it's not even it's not even a, yeah a thing for me. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not a. It's not a question. It's not yeah. up for debate. Exactly. It's like, hey, you should buy the Switch version because, hey, you can play it portably. It looks great. You know, I mean, it looks the way it always has. They didn't do anything bumping up the graphics or anything. That Digital yes, Foundry yeah. kind of went through all that stuff and they're like, no, it's just it's the same as it was. Um, which is fine. It looks great still. It's got that great art style. Um, one thing that I did kind of notice that I was kind of surprised of because I've not played it in quite a while and I've only played, you know, I played a 
I've played through the entirety of Bayonetta 2 since the last time I played Bayonetta 1 before this. And the thing I didn't realise, because they tone it down so much in Bayonetta 2, is the whole her clothes are her hair thing. Yeah. Yes. The whole, like, as you do combos, her, she uses her hair in her attacks, and therefore she has less clothes on. It's like, ah, that's, mm, that's a no, thing. I don't like that. <laughs> that's real Japanese. <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, whatever, it's fine. Yeah, I, don't, it... I don't care that much about it. <laughs> it was dumb and yeah, goofy. It... Yeah, um, you know, and the fact that they call the, you know, the, the final attacks that she does, they call them climax attacks. It was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, and then you also have your torture attacks, because they really lean into that whole dominatrix thing in the first game. The yes, second game gets yeah. away from that somewhat. Like, it's still there, but it's oh, not. Okay. It's, like, they're still called climax attacks, they're still called torture attack stuff, but they don't, it's not as big a deal. Um... Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, because at one point they have her dressed up as a nun, and then you know she, she's it's the stereotypical the stereotypical you know dominatrix thing. She dresses a nun. She's got the glasses, and it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it is weird, and you know I always said this about Bayonetta was that it's a game that should be in you know bargain bin stuff. It's not it. It has no right and no business being as good as it is. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But it's that thing where it's like, it's people that made the Devil May Cry games making a new Devil May Cry game, basically, but they left Capcom so didn't have the license. You know, that's, that's yeah. basically what Bayonetta started as. And it's kind of what it is. It plays like a Devil May Cry game. It plays like one of the best Devil May Cry games. And yeah. it's, it's just that weird thing where it's like, they, the character and tone of it is just weird. It's but it's really endearing in a way because there's not really a lot of games like it. Like, it yeah. has yes, that sexualization yeah. of it, but not in a... It never feels sleazy despite the fact that it's leaning into stuff like, hey, she could... she's pole dancing at this point. Like, they never lean into it in a isn't this super sexy way? They're like, isn't this kind of silly and over the top? It's kind of... <laughs> she just doesn't really care. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it is. It is kind of strange. You don't feel, you know, the, um, one of the other the weird game, the Onin Chinbara games. Yeah. You know, one point and not... one point when you're playing those, you start to feel a little bit seedy. Yes. Um, you wonder if you, you know, should be buying they... them because you wonder who that money is going to and whether they are nice people <laughs> or not. Yes, yeah, uh, or the, the Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball oh, games. God. It's yeah. you know, where the, the, the object is to get them to wear as little clothing as possible. Right, it's like, it's th- those are definitely CD. They even took the fucking volleyball out of the last one of those. Like, they, they don't... They know. They know. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I mean, but, uh, let's yeah, be honest, did, Dead or Alive... Um, the Dead or Alive one for Vita, they had boob touch physics. They did. They did. So, really? Yeah, they did. You could touch the screen and their boobs would jiggle. There's a lot of Vita games like that. The Vita kind of became the go-to place for pervy Japanese nonsense. Nice. Kept it alive for a while. <laughs> as much as you can call yeah. the Vita alive. <laughs> well, I... Oh, we might have some news about that in the in the <laughs> news section as well. Uh, 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, so get back to Bayonetta. Yeah, you should buy it if you haven't played it before. Uh, would you suggest anyone do a double dip on it? Um, I, I did. did so. <laughs> well, I I did as well, but I never played it, so. Yeah. Um, you know. I guess it just depends. Like, if you're in the mood for another one of those games, there aren't a lot of that style of action game anymore. Platinum is pretty much the only one that makes them. Yeah, like, the that's closest, true. The closest thing that has come out since Bayonetta 2 of this style has been the two other Platinum games that came out in that time. So that Transformers one, which is basically just a Bayonetta reskin. Um, yes, Which uh, is also a very good game and they don't have the license for that anymore, but if they somehow got that, they should totally put it on the Switch as well. Um, and Nier, which again, is the same combat. Like It's that thing where if you want that style of combat, there's not many places to go for it. So if you're if you got an itch for that kind of thing, playing Bayonetta one again is not a bad idea, and this is yeah. the best way to do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. So moving on, Kieran, you've been getting ready for Yakuza Six, have you? I have. Not? Yeah. So um, Sega released the demo yesterday. Of Yakuza 6, um, which is Yakuza 6 Prologue. Basically, it's like the first couple of story missions of the game. There's not actually like a lot of gameplay in those story missions. It's like tutorial stuff. Uh, but then it dumps you into the open world, and there's a couple of side missions you can do, and you can go do all the little mini games and stuff like that. So there's like a couple of karaoke songs you can go do. I believe if you go to the arcade, you can play Virtua Fighter 5, but I've not actually been, I've not done that yet. Oh, that's all, right, all okay. I would do. That was all I would do. Wouldn't yeah, play that, that's the thing. Yakuza 6, 5. Yakuza 6 has the entirety of uh, Virtua Fighter 5 Final final Showdown? Final... Yeah, something like that. that. It was the one we got free on PlayStation Plus that one time, which was the thing that got me into Virtua Fighter. <laughs> um, yeah. That, it has the entirety of that just in the game, like with multiplayer. It's bizarre. Um, that's nuts. And apparently it's in this demo, so you can just go play it. Uh, so I've been playing a bunch of that, and it's, you know, like I said, there's not a massive amount of stuff to do in it right now, because it's just a prologue. But it kind of gets you, it gives you a kind of catch-up on the story stuff, because they do it with every game, because I think they know that people are not going to necessarily have played the five previous games, or six previous games, now that Yakuza 0 is out. Yeah. So they have this catch-up stuff to be like, it's quite well done, actually. Like, it literally just puts you into an area that has, like, six characters, and you can go up and look at them, and Kiryu will explain, this is so-and-so. You know, she was an orphan that I helped raise, and then she became a pop idol, and now I don't know where she is. And it's like, okay, great. Got it. <laughs> and you can do that for all those characters, and it basically just catches you up with all you need to know. You'll be like, this is Akiyama, he's a loan shark that has a heart of gold. And it's like, alright, cool, got it. Um, Did they teach you about the chicken? They don't teach you about Nugget. Nugget's not there anymore. I don't know what happened. He probably just made a lot of money on real estate and retired or something. Or um, he became some Nuggets. Or he became some Nuggets. He fulfilled his lifelong journey to become some and Nuggets. And became some Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> um... 
But yeah, so it catches up with the story stuff a bit and kind of does the setup for the story of Yakuza 6, which, like, the basic premise is after the events of Yakuza 5, Kiryu goes to jail for three years. Okay. And when he comes out, Haruka, the, the girl that he raised, the orphan he raised, who became pop idol, has, like, vanished. And he's trying to find her. And then he goes back to Kamarocho, which is the area that is in pretty much every... It's the open world bit that is in every Yakuza game, basically. And All he right, goes back okay. to there, and that's where you get to wander around and stuff. And people are basically like, I don't know. We haven't seen her in three years. We haven't seen you in three years. Where have you been? He's like, I've been in prison. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> I've been in the jail. I've been in the jail. And the first thing that shows up is that like, you go back to Kamarocho, and like your police buddy shows up, and he's like... Kiryu, why are you here? You just got out of jail. There's like a bunch of Yakuza fighting each other. You probably shouldn't be here. You're going to end up in jail again. And then Kiryu's like, I'm going to go punch some guys. And he's like, no! What are you? No! <laughs> you just got out of jail. <sighs> um, yeah, of course. That's why I should go punch some guys. It's really good. Like It, it seems like it's going to be great. And the combat has been improved quite a bit. So the main... The main stuff they've improved in this game that they've changed up, because it's a new engine from the previous ones, is um, so in the previous ones, when you start a fight, or when you get into a fight when you get jumped by guys and stuff like that it will kind of wall off the area that the fight starts in, or sometimes it'll yeah. kind of move you up a little bit to somewhere to a set area, basically, that you can fight in Yeah. Um, and so basically you fight them in that area and that's all you can do they've got rid of that so now when people attack you in the streets you're just fighting them in the streets and you can wander around and run away and they'll chase you for a bit but you could also just walk into like shops and stuff like that which before if you walked into a shop it was like a loading screen loading a new area and you're in a shop now you just walk through the doors and you're there um kind of like all right okay it reminds me it's it's weird to think of this because open world games have kind of fallen away from this in general but it was like how that was the big deal in san andreas Remember back at San Andreas where they made the big deal? It's like, oh man, if you want to go into this burger joint, you just walk in and it's right there. Yeah. And if you're yeah. getting chased by police and stuff, you walk in, the police will chase you into that place. And it's like, that's great. It's basically that. You walk into a shop and all of the guys you're fighting follow you in and then you start smashing them through all of the different aisles and stuff like that and knocking down shelves and trashing the place. <laughs> and it's really fun. Uh, oh, that was the video I, clip you shared. Yeah, yeah, I shared a clip on Facebook that was that, that is me just, like, picking people up and throwing them into shelves in a supermarket. Through it's a basically like falling, falling down the video game. Yeah, basically. And they've added, like, a bunch <laughs> of physics to everything, so uh, there's a bunch of physics on, like, all of the items that you knock over and stuff, which the previous games didn't have. They It was just kind of, you know, if there was anything destructible in the environment, it just had an animation where it exploded or something. Uh, now it all has physics so you just knock things down and they go flying but also more importantly all of the people have physics and it's not just like simple ragdoll stuff it's like each of your punches and kicks will connect you know at different places on their body and they will react to it so it it just makes the, the punches feel that much kind of harder because you punch a guy like on his side he will get pushed where you're you punched him and his body will react accordingly um yeah but then they also have some of the over top stuff where you can also just pick guys up and throw them into other guys 
and depending on where you know they get hit by the guy you threw, they'll fall over in different silly ways. So if you hit them on the head, you know they'll get knocked over. If you hit them in the legs, they'll kind of trip over them and fall forward and that kind of thing. And it's just really goofy and fun. Um, and then they added physics to a bunch of stuff in the open world as well. So now you can just walk up to bike racks which are everywhere and there's just tons of bikes at them and just knock them nice. over like uh oh my god i'm blanking on the movie what's the movie where he knocks over all the more bikes and they get angry at him old american oh, yeah. movie uh, it's the tim burton film fuck oh. pale guy. no way older no, no uh, it's not it's also not tim burton but <laughs> yeah um <laughs> But, Tim Burton, Quentin Tarantino, same person. Whatever. Anyway, yeah, people yeah, will know. Much. People will <laughs> At know this point in time, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's like that. You can walk up and just knock over bikes and stuff in the street, which is kind of fun. Um, and then you can pick up stuff and hit people with them. So I'm really liking the changes to the combat system. It seems like it's kind of a big improvement. It feels a little bit slower than the previous games in terms of the combat. But I'm not sure if that's just... Because I felt that way about Yakuza Kiwami when I started playing it as well. But then by the end of that game, I felt like it was way faster than Zero. So I think it's just a kind of... Until you get all the upgrades and stuff, it maybe feels a bit slower. But we shall see. Um, but yeah, there's also... I'm going to cut ahead to news slightly here, but... Uh, that demo came out on both the American PSN store and the European PSN store. Yep, and right. they... <laughs> they fucked up with it on the American one because the way the demo works is it is basically the full game download because oh. your save carries oh, okay. over so they basically chuck the whole thing in so the, the save is just exactly as it would be in the full game and then when you get the full game it'll just carry over and work okay. but as a result they accidentally uploaded the wrong thing to the American version and so the first few people, the first like few hundreds probably, anyone downloaded the demo in the first like couple of hours it was up, downloaded full the game? full version of Yakuza 6 without any limitation on playing it. Oh. Oh wow. So like the demo has a limitation on it where if you hit a point, after you've done the first couple of missions, it says like, go to uh, Chinatown so you can fight the triad. And when you get there, there's like, just like a big sign that's there that's just hovering there that just says... The trial can't go any further than this. It's like, okay, great, thanks. Um, but yeah, apparently if you were one of the early people to get the demo in the US store, it doesn't do that. So, got the game early. Which makes yeah, you wonder why wow. it's delayed. Because it was originally supposed to come out uh, this month. It was meant to be a March release and they pushed it back to April. Okay. Which is interesting. Presumably it was some kind of disc issue, like a physical uh, production issue rather than a you know, game we issue. Because the game, the game issue? Yeah, because the game was finished a year ago. It's been out in Japan for ages. And if they were... You know, if the full version is playable as this version that was made available for download, then presumably the localization stuff is all finished as well, so... Who knows? Um, I still look forward to that game. I'm going to get it in April. I have the big fancy pre-order version pre-ordered. Yeah, with the oh, cool. shot glasses and it's stuff. Whiskey, whiskey glasses. And, uh, oh, yeah, okay. 
whiskey stones and uh, I think that's it. But it, it looks pretty. It's probably got a steel book in it. They always do. Look real nice. It's got the thing that all Japanese collector's editions have now, where it's like you've got a collectible box, and it's like I don't what. This is the box. Like Persona Five had that as well. It's like here's a collectible box. Which to be fair, I use that for storing board games now, so I guess that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but because six is gonna be great. That prologue demo is out now. It's free. Anyone could download it. I recommend you do. Everyone um, should download it. They should. Yeah, give it a chance. And if you like it and want to get into Yakuza, either pick up six or maybe go back and play Zero because Zero was a really good game that came out last year. Some might say it was one of the five best games of the year. They probably wouldn't say that in some kind of group format, but one individual in that no. group might say it. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, yeah. Speaking of games that were definitely game of the year, though, Mike, you've played some steep for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. I found this so weird. This... I thought we all agreed to hate that game. Yes, so we, this, signed, this is... we signed the contract. We did. Yeah, we, they they we didn't did. pay us enough money to like it. <laughs> so yeah, I I bought Steep if you can remember uh, and played it, and I wasn't too impressed at all. No, you I then not. gave no. I then gave my copy to Paul and forgot all about it. <laughs> Done and tested. Paul, I think you enjoyed it a little bit more than I. I did. enjoyed it a little bit more than you do, did, but I also didn't think it was, you know that great of a game yeah so yeah so what had happened was I was browsing the store and I seen that they'd done a a reduction on the on steep and the with the, the new edition that they added which was the road to the Olympics yep and because uh, obviously the, the Winter Olympics is going on right now. I don't know if it's finished yet. It and finished last week. Finished. All right. Yep. So, uh, you know, they they, they were uh, one of the official games for the, the Winter Olympics. And they brought out this little pack. But you could buy the game plus the Road to Olympics plus the season pass for, I think it was... It was just under £30 or just over £30. Okay. And curiosity got the better of me. I'd seen a little bit of video of the the Olympic footage and the little story mode that they had that went with it. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it another bash. I'll revisit it. And so I just bought the whole thing and, you know, so I now own the entire thing digitally, which is fine. And it's quite good. It fixes one of the biggest issues that I had with Steep was that it gives you this entire world and it says, go, you know, fiddle about with it and, you know, you'll find events and you'll find a, you'll build the map as you go along, you know, because you've, you've got your binoculars and when you go past somewhere it says, oh, you found a new event or you found a new drop zone. Yep. Um, and they fixed that because they've now went back and there's been so many updates and they've got the the DLC that they added to it. But they've now made a, 
giving it a little bit of direction, a little bit of structure. So at any point, you can pause the game now and you can jump. It'll tell you what events are available on the different mountains. And let's say you want to see all the snowboarding events. You can go there and they'll say, all right, there's a a slope style event you can take a part in. It's a hard difficulty. You need 20,000 points to get anywhere in it. Um, You know, so so everything's listed now. So you can just jump straight to it. You don't have to do this weird unlocking thing that they were, you know, hell bent on. Yeah. Yeah, They were hell bent that you were going to do. Um, so you don't need to do that now, but the road to Olymp- <clears throat> excuse me, the road to the Olympics mode comes with a little story, and the the story is that you are a snowboarder, and with them having four events, I think it is. Uh, there's now four snowboarding events in the Winter Games, and you know obviously there's now a rush for somebody to be the first person to win a gold medal in all four of them. And so they build this little story mode where you go and they, they get you to train all around the world. And then um, you get to train, uh, do the events like dry runs on all the different Olympic courses that they're going to be. And they're faithful recreations of what actually the the competitors were racing and competing on. Yeah. So that's fine. And it's got this little story and. You, you know, you jump from event to event. Um, in between each event, they've got interview footage with, uh, you know, winter athletes who are popular and ahead, you know, ahead of their game at the moment. And they're just saying things about, you know, by the time you you do the event, it's, you know, you've got it all planned out in your head and it looks spontaneous, but you've run this thing a million times. And it's all these little interview clips and things like that. And it's pleasant. I really enjoyed it. It it took steep and it put a game in there. It didn't nice. last very long. It, it didn't last very long. The whole thing, uh, this whole little story mode lasts probably about two, three hours because you know, obviously, you're um, unless you've played a whole load of the of steep before this. There's going to be things that you couldn't do. Some of the tricks and the snowboarding and things I found quite difficult. But with yeah. a little persistence and doing them over and over again, you get there. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that. So I then went back. Uh, once you've done that, there is all the other Olympic events. Well, not all of them, but the ones that you could do, you know, that are in regards to steep. So there's yeah. the, the giant slalom for... Uh, snowboarding and skiing there's the downhill racing there's the cross uh, is it the cross slope racing or yeah yeah, but basically yeah you've got some of the races and snowboarding skiing and then you've got the you know slope style big air events the half pipe events and all of those and you can take part in them and the the story mode when you're doing it has qualification uh, for each of the four events, and then you take you know the best of three runs in each of them to win the gold medal. But once you've done that, then you can you can take part in any event at your leisure, whenever you fancy. But it's basically one run, and you go for the medal. But you can do that as many times as you want. You can do it over and over again. Um, 
I would have liked to have seen maybe a bit of a story mode built for the 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 skiing bits, the the downhill racing. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that would have been a bit cool. Um, but I think the reason that they didn't do it is with the 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 the, the snowboarding ones, the the tricks. They take you to a half pipe and they teach you to do a five forty spin, and then they you get that and then they say try and do two in a row and then you do two in a row so it's training you to do the tricks when it comes to giant slalom and and downhill racing well there's not really anything that they could teach you and train you to do when you think about it it's just a a downhill and it's you know it's your reflexes Mm -hmm. yeah essentially there's no there's no doing tricks or anything so yeah i could maybe understand it but it would have been nice i think it would have been nice to add that in anyway yeah um, yeah, so I, I definitely recommend the the Road to the Olympics bit. Um, in terms of what they've been doing with the the other DLC and things that they added, so they added in something called the Extreme Pack, which added in new events and it added in. So you've got the the rocket powered wingsuit and you've got what was the other thing? Oh, it's the it's the paraglider, but it's the the one that's smaller and you you strap uh, skis onto you yeah so you kind of you're kind of doing paragliding cross skiing uh and but they've got a story mode for this as well that's cool and it's the same it's the same thing as the olympic one it's uh slightly different uh, because at this time somebody approaches you says i've got this dream of strapping on these rockets to her back and doing canyon runs uh, and you know the team is made up of all these different people from different disciplines, and the story mode takes you through doing again, just teaching you how to use the different equipment, the rocket suits and the you know the, the special parachutes and the skis and things like that. But it just adds a bit of direction to the game, you know, because yeah. when it gives you all of that stuff and you just go. What do you want me to do with that? That isn't a game. It, it, yeah. it doesn't feel, you know, you've just given me this big thing. And that was the thing with Steep is you put it in and you, you land on the mountain and it says, oh, go and check out the Red Bull stuff. And that was it. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and, and you could switch between all the equipment at the same time. And it just felt too loose. This tightens it up. That's cool. So, it makes me... The thing that I'm taking away from this is that I really hope they make a steep two, because it sounds like they learned their lesson from the first one, and yes, could do it right. Yes, like if they did a sequel, it would be very good because they learn, they listened to what people didn't like about you know the base game and they improved it. Yeah, they've uh, definitely improved it. There's, uh, so the the. One of the other bits of DLC is called the Winterfest, and Winterfest is nuts. It's uh, different events, um, but they've got like a fun cookie side to them. So one of them is you're fl- uh, you're doing uh, the wingsuit, and what you're doing is you jump off from the top of the one of the, the high mountains, and they've got these Space Invader rings suspended in midair, and you do it at night, so the visibility is difficult. And you need to fly through enough of them to kill off the the aliens and then zip down to the end. 
Uh, it just looks really cool um, and it's really good. What else is there? There's they've got the old rickety um, sleds, the the snow sleds. You know mm. the wooden ones. It looks like a wooden bench with, yeah. with skis on it. Yeah. And they've got you going down one of those, and they put these uh, big pillars up, and they look like pachinko pillars. You know when you drop a, okay. a ball, and yeah. the object is to actually bounce yourself through there and get as many points as you can. So they've made like a bunch of weird I, mini games using the same mechanics. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay, so cool. the mini games, it reminds. It's kind of a cross between SSX when it was doing that kind of thing. So maybe the tricky days and uh, oh, what was the other snowboarding amped? <laughs> not quite yeah, as crazy. Uh, as you know that but... kind of. No, no, not at all. Um, but very, again, very enjoyable. So, yeah, if they do a Steep 2, I will definitely be interested in it. If you can pick up uh, the gold version of the game, which I think right now if you can pick the gold version of Steep Standard without the Road to the Olympic stuff, I think you can pick it up for £16-£17 on digitally. I don't know how much a, a physical version would would cost you. Um, Isn't it available on Switch it as well? It's not. They is coming to Switch. They Ubisoft no. said relatively recently they're like it's still coming. They're still doing it, but it's still right. come out. Remember they announced it ages ago. Um, they announced it when yeah, Switch was I, announced. I thought yeah. it was already on Switch. No, it's never came out. Okay. No, I think. I don't know. I do, I don't. I don't think I'd buy it again on Switch, and I don't think I'd be willing to pay full price for it. That's fair. Um, well, and that's just me because I've already. This is my second dip into it. Yeah, but if they put Steep Two on Switch at release. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, but yeah, definitely. If you have the base game, even if you have the base game, you don't have any of the other things. Still check it out because they did do all the additions. They added those menus in. They made it a lot more friendly to navigate and things. So, Paul, I would definitely suggest you. I might, I might buy the expansion pass for it then and get the Road to Olympics because I still have your disc somewhere. Yes, yeah. Um, definitely check it out as well. I think the the sale on that is running out, so if anyone is thinking about doing it, I would probably suggest you do it or check it out at least sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, so I was very pleasantly surprised with that, which is very good. That's always good. Hey. Ubisoft are good at that. Ubisoft are good at fixing games that they release that aren't very good at launch. Like yeah. they did the same thing with the Division. The Division wasn't great at launch, and it. I bought the Division on PC relatively recently again, even though I already have it PS4 because that game's really good now. Uh huh. All oh, right. Yeah. Sure. I'm I'm all for Excellent. fixing games. <laughs> <laughs> Fix your shit. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Kieran, you have been playing Stellaris again. Yeah, speaking about you need help. updating games and fixing them. So, oh man, Stellaris. What a game. Um, it just got a version 2 update. So they've overhauled a crap load of stuff and basically changed a lot of how the game works. Okay. And it's interesting because... Even though I have liked Stellaris a lot since launch, a lot of people didn't, <laughs> so they've kind of been improving it over the past year as well. Um, okay. Which, you know, as someone who already liked it, as they keep improving it, it's like, hey, great. 
more improvements. I already liked it, and it just keeps getting better. Best yeah, game you're ever not gets better. At all. No. They also uh, brought out a new expansion pack um, that I didn't really read the description of much. I just bought, uh, but it's probably <laughs> good. Um, you basically it basically <laughs> lets you build like Death Stars. Like you can blow up planets now, um, which I've not reached that point in the game I started playing, but. Uh, there's a lot of things they changed, like from you know the regular version of Solaris to this new one, just in the base update that you get for free. You don't need to buy the expansion or anything. You just if you buy Solaris, this is what you'll get now. Okay. That changes the game quite a lot. So, um, for example, the main big one is how uh, traveling and uh, taking over stars works. So. For people don't know, Stellaris is a 4X strategy game, kind of similar to like Civilization, but in space. Yep. And the way it used to work was you built an empire, or you created an empire, and there's a bunch of stuff you go through for creating an empire, which they have added so many more options now. There's so many different races you can choose, there's so many different politics that you can choose, there's so many different civics you can pick, and it's it takes... You know when you go into a character creator in like Skyrim or something and you spend like an hour making your character? It's like that, but for making an empire. <laughs> so instead of going, oh, I think their eyes should be a bit bigger and they should be slightly higher up and they should have this colour of hair and whatever, you're like, well, I think they should be pacifists and... Um, yeah, they should. They should believe. They shouldn't believe in gods. They should believe. They should be more science focused and build up a whole thing like that. Um, what a terrible it, sounding nation! Oh, it's pacifists. so good. Well, yeah, I know scientific pacifists. It's never happened. Um, but the thing they've changed is when you went through that process before. At the end of it, you used to choose a method of transport. So basically, your empire would rely entirely on uh, hyperdrives. So, no, sorry, warp drives, uh, hyperspace, or wormholes. And they worked very differently. So uh, warp drives were just distance-based. So everything in the game is kind of uh, broken up into star systems. And you can move between star systems and you can colonize planets and stuff like that. And the way warp drives works was just as you upgrade warp drives, you can warp further. So you can get to... You can get directly to star systems that are further away because your warp drive can go further or you can jump to one from a distance and then go to another one and you know hop your way to where you want to go uh, hyperlanes are the same thing kind of but it's not distance based it's based on uh, lanes so all star systems are connected with a lane that goes to another star system and so you can only get to certain ones by going through other ones basically you hop from it's more traditional it's basically kind of grid based yeah. and then the other one was wormholes which was super complicated I never really fucked with because man this... basically you can only travel places if you build a wormhole device in that place and then you can go there as much as you want it's weird uh, but they removed them all so now you just have hyperlanes no matter what you do you have hyperlanes and that is the method of transport so it simplifies all that which a lot of people are very angry about because, as it turns out, the internet gets angry about things. Who knew? Um, really? I know, right? When you change a game, <laughs> when you change a game that people already liked, you know, that's 
bizarre, right? Um, <laughs> I usually use the warp system, but I don't really care that much. Like the hyperlane stuff is fine. Like, uh, and the reasons they changed it, I think, are it makes sense. So they changed it to change the way that you uh, colonize planets and stuff now. So the way it used to work was you created an empire and it had a border around it. Kind of like civilization. Actually, a lot like civilization. And as you gained more... Uh, I forget what the exact uh, resource was called, but basically, once you get enough points, your borders would expand slightly. Again, like civilization. And you would go to other planets and you would colonize them and they would get borders. Kind of like building a new city in civilization. So... Basically, it used to work like Civilization, and now it doesn't. <laughs> so, the way they've changed it is that your borders still increase over time slightly, but the way you actually build up your empire now is you go out and you build uh, forward uh, starports. And these starports, you just put in other systems, and then that connects their border up to your closest border, and you end up with a bigger empire. Um so you're basically instead of building full-on cities you're building basically just individual little buildings that are just there to expand your borders so you have more choice about where you're going it's kind of similar again to civilization where you know in the civilization games you could just buy uh tiles around your city so you could expand the border of that city when you wanted to make it bigger if you didn't want to wait for it to do it naturally it's kind of like that um, mm-hmm. instead of waiting for it to happen naturally you go about and you build these uh, star bases and it expands your borders and the new change is now you can't colonize planets unless they are already within your borders so it forces you to use this system to expand your borders out and basically forces you to be a bit more uh, like you're a bit more involved in the way that your empire expands and the direction it expands and stuff like that you're not just a blob that over time starts to consume everything around it. You're specifically going, I want to go over to that set of planets because they have minerals I want. They're mine now. And it seems like a really cool change to that game so far. Um, again, it's a game I already really like, so I'm probably going to be pretty biased towards liking it regardless. But, uh, but then again, actually, you know, I could have easily been on the side of the people that are really angry about the changes because uh, again I already really like that game a lot but so far I'm really liking it um, I need to play more I've only played like a couple hours of it with the changes and mm-hmm. I hear it sounds like they've changed a lot of stuff throughout the whole you know the whole game not just this main mechanic stuff so I'm interested in seeing how it goes um, Stellaris is still really good as it turns out and this, this change is good. I think. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, it's it's one of your passions, almost, isn't it, Stellaris? Mm-hmm. I think you guys would like Stellaris. Um, if you spend a little bit of time with it, because you guys like civilization, yes. and it is basically civilization yeah, in yeah. space. It's kind of the. There's been a lot of Space 4X games. Like, I reviewed um, Endless Space 2 last year, and that's even more close to being Civilization in Space. But I feel like Stellaris... 
catches the f- like it makes it a lot more interesting because it doesn't just feel like here is a 4x in space it feels like here's a 4x it's in space but also there's all this politics stuff that's really simple but really interesting it's like it's like civilization and uh uh fuck crusader kings 2 it's like those two had a baby and then went into space with that baby Fair enough. They went. It's like they had a baby, and then they supermaned that baby by firing it off of the planet <laughs> into space. <laughs> um, yeah. So that game's still really good. Um, cool. And I'm Excellent. the only one that's got video games left on here. So. Yes, you are. Yeah. So should I just talk about the other space game I've been playing? Uh yes. You probably should. Yeah. Which is Heat Signature. So, um, did either of you guys play Gunpoint back when it came out? No. I no. remember talking about it on the podcast, but I might have just been me and played it. So Gunpoint was a, ga- a game uh, made by a guy who... I forget his name. He was a writer. He used to work for a Rock, Paper, Shotgun. Um, and he went off and made Gunpoint, which was like a 2D platformer uh, heist game that had some really just cool mechanics and was really smart and was just one of the best games that came out that year. Uh, and this is the second game he's made, which is Heat Signature, which is a top-down, still kind of heist game. He seems to like doing kind of heist kind of stuff, uh, but it's in space, and it's kind of a roguelike. So basically, you get a character, and they'll have like some starting equipment. Usually, they'll have like a weapon, usually a melee weapon, and they'll have some kind of uh, other kind of equipment, some kind of gadget, whether it's like a teleporter or something that lets them hack things or something like that. And you'll get in your little spaceship and you'll fly out and you'll get a mission that'll be... You get like a choice of missions that you can take because you're basically a mercenary and they're usually stuff like go and assassinate this guy or go and steal this stuff off of this ship or go and kill everyone on this ship and you'll fly through space go to that ship and then from there, it's like a top-down, almost kind of like Hotline Miami-ish, but not super fast-paced and action like that. It's more, you're going from room to room throughout an enemy ship, clearing it out, but there's different ways you can do it. You can either kind of attack a bunch of guys, or you can lure them into different rooms, so you can attack them individually, which is kind of the best idea, because you usually can't hold up in a fight against a group of people you can the main kind of mechanic of it is that you will be pausing the game a lot because it it has the kind of kind of like old Baldur's Gate games and stuff like that where you can pause and do things and set up stuff so a lot of it is like you'll walk into a room pause and then you'll queue up an attack on someone and do that and then pause again and then attack the other guy and basically there's cooldowns on attacks, so you'll have you know, a left-hand weapon and a right-hand weapon. And once you use one of them, you can't use it again for like a couple of seconds. So right. you can't just walk into a room, punch a guy, pause, punch another guy, pause, punch another guy, because you need to wait like a second or so between each of them. And usually that's enough time for them to have shot you by then. So at most you can usually take out two guys without... You know them even getting a shot off, but a lot of times there'll be more than that in the room. So you've got to try and like lure them away to like split them up, or 
you can like shoot out windows and rooms and just you know suck people out into the vacuum of space which is pretty good but can also fuck up your game because uh different guards will carry like key cards and stuff like that to open doors and so i had to just quit a mission and give up on it and go back and say hey i failed because i right. fired a guy out into space and he had the key card i needed so i was fucked there's no way for me to progress so i was and it, it handles that. Like you can just go back and just say, "Well, I couldn't do this quest. Done. Take another one." But it's just funny that you can kind of mess up in that way, and it lets you do that. Um, I'm really liking it so far. It's, it seems really cool. It's not a very pretty game. Like I'd say, it's downright kind of ugly, but it's fun, which I guess is the more important part. Um, I'm gonna play more of it, but it's pretty good so far. But yeah, the heat signature. Nice. Yeah. So, who's been playing board games? It's the silliest question I've ever asked in my life. Well, nobody, nobody. We don't play board games here. That's true. Ah, okay. Realize my name on the board game <laughs> section in our document is still the one it was from when we played Rising Sun. I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, Kieran, you actually when you mentioned Rising Sun, you men you got a chance to play another game of it? I did. A bigger game of it. Right, a, and a, how how did you get on? Uh, it went well. So we played a game with uh, five people. Which was bigger than the three-person game we played the week before and talked about last week. Or was it last week? Week four? Whatever we did the last podcast. Uh, we, yes. Um, yeah, yeah uh, it went well. It was a bit slower. Um, just because obviously there's you know more people to get through, but that game's uh-huh. relatively quick anyway. I mean, it, it takes it, well, I mean, one each, of those once you relatively quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I played as oh god, which clan did I play as? I played as was it the Lotus Clan that has the ability to do whichever mandate they want. Um, oh, I, I'm not... It think, could be, the, I'm not the, 100% it's sure. It's the pink one. The pink... I played as a pink clan. Um, right. Which, basically, their ability is they can... So, for people that don't know how this game is played, you should go listen to our podcast last week because we went kind of in-depth about it. Um, we did, yeah. But, basically, there are mandates that you do which are just basically tiles that have different actions on them. And you pick one, everyone takes turns picking one, and when you pick one, everyone has to do that action starting from the next player. Like, you pick it, but you're the last one to do that action, with a couple of exceptions. And the clan I was playing as, basically, it doesn't matter which one of those tiles I actually use, I can say it is something else, and we do that instead. So, yes, it was kind of handy, because it meant if, for example... My ally was someone who might betray me, and I and he was going next, and I had the betrayal token in the set of mandates I picked up. I could just use it and say it was something else, um, yeah. which got that out of play and let me recruit more people or something like that. Um, so that was kind of fun, and in general, it it went about as well as our first game did. It was really fun. Uh, there was a lot of backstabbing. There was a lot of deal making there's a lot of look if you want to go into this area that's fine because I don't need it 
but I'm going to go into this area, so you should stay out my way if you want to come into this area. And we'll all be friends, and all be fine, and we don't have to fight, and then you murder all of their soldiers, <laughs> and it's like, oh, fuck, well, maybe not. Um, the one thing I did kind of find, though, is it's somewhat difficult. It feels like it's somewhat difficult for people... If someone loses battles in the first couple of rounds it seems like it's quite hard for them to come back in the later rounds. Um, okay, right. Unless they like invest heavily in buying monsters, because a lot of monsters will be like, we're worth you know nine soldiers by the end of the game, which makes sense. That seems like a good kind of comeback mechanic for that. But if you're not the first person, you know, if you, if you don't get first dibs on it, then it could also just mean whoever has the bigger army is just taking another giant monster as well. Um, yeah. So it means, like, for example, we had someone who fought in a battle in, like, the first round or so, but then managed to kind of avoid fights in the second round of war. And that meant by the third war, he had bigger a bigger army than anyone else. And so if he moved right. into an area, you moved the fuck out because you didn't have a way to really <laughs> fight against them. Because he had just snowballed on and no one had been able to, like, whittle him down at all over the last couple of wars. Um, which happens, and I guess it's kind of a mechanic, it's, you know, it's a strategy you could deal with. There are ways to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and it was really fun. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I really liked that game a lot. Um, we took photos of the box when we took stuff out, which made it easier to put stuff away. All right, yeah. I recommend people do that, because uh-huh. it's fucking fiddly to put stuff away. Um, yes, yeah. But yeah, that game's great. Um, that is definitely a board game we will be talking about towards the end of the year. Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I say that we still haven't done our game of the year for board games of for last year, so we should maybe not think yes. too far ahead on that <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, I really like that game. I I look forward to playing it again. Um, yeah, I think I feel like five is maybe too many people for it. Right. Well, okay. I feel like the th- the three player game we played was maybe a bit better because it moved at a better pace. Um, five. Right. I okay. do definitely agree with what we kind of heard before, where it works. It probably works better with odd numbers because not everyone can then ally up. Um. So with five, it uh-huh. that we didn't have that issue. Like the alliance stuff was great. There was a lot of. You know, people wheeling and dealing and being like, "Well, you know, I need to be in this area next turn, and we won't have to fight, and that'll be fine." Blah blah blah. blah. It's always quite good. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of just you know screwing people over, and the same issue, the same thing that happened before, of one of us got the card that lets you charge people for uh, using the water. Oh, for t- to move people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then letting people move into an area and not letting them move back out again. So they've just got all their soldiers stranded <laughs> on an island. That was pretty fun. Um, and also, I, I need to look up the rules for one of the, the cards in that game because the the one that Nathan used a lot last time when we played, he did again, but right from the yes. start this time because he figured, he was like, hey, I can get lots of victory. I mean, he still didn't win, to be fair, so I guess it's not actually that broken. But that right. there's a card in that game where every time you spend money, you can choose to give one coin of that money to someone else instead of whoever you're paying or whatever you're paying. 
and you get a victory point for doing so. Right. And you buy a lot of things in that game and Nathan <laughs> bought a lot of things in that game <laughs> and got a lot of victory points from it. <laughs> um, yeah, it may be worthwhile just, you know, having a look at that card when you're not in the heat of the game. <laughs> yeah, and just see if there's any... Yeah. Look in the rulebook, see if there's a thing that specifically clarifies when you can use it because... There's some things that I'm not sure count as spending money, but he was he was taking money out of his money and putting it into the bank, so that counts as spending, I think. So Uh yes, yeah. <laughs> so who yeah. knows? Um but yeah, that that game's great. Um as we said before, it does not need those crazy detailed miniatures. It would work fine just with some little tokens and stuff. But I'm so glad that I backed on Kickstarter to have all these giant miniatures. Yes. So good. Yeah. Um but yeah, speaking of Kickstarter stuff, you played uh, the Shipwreck Arcana? I did, yeah. Which is Kickstarter we both so, backed. I've still not played it yet. Though. Yes. Yeah. So it's uh I physically it's, you know, just a small little neat game that we picked up. And when we were away for our friend's wedding, um, the night before, we were in the hotel. So we grabbed a beer and went downstairs and took a couple of games with us. And Shipwreck Akana was one of them. It's so it's a game that's played with four, <clears throat> excuse me, four tarot cards, um, and everyone also has a set of seven tiles in front of them, numbered one through to seven. Uh, there is a bag in the centre of the table and it has numbers one through seven, but I think it has two tiles of everything. So there's two number ones, two number twos, etc. And it's, it's uh, the game is a cooperative game. What you're trying to do is everyone draws a they'll basically draw two tiles from the bag on their turn and one of them they keep and that's the one that everyone's trying to guess so you're trying to guess what i have in my hand um and but i give you clues and how i do that is i take the other number that i've drawn from the bag and i place it on one of the four cards on the table that i told you and the four cards have um various conditions that have to be met for you to be able to place something on there so let's say for example you have a number two and you can then uh, there may be a card that says if your card is odd play it here or if your card is not it, uh, sorry if your fate sorry it causes tiles fates if your fate is a one three or seven place the other one here so if i place the number two there then you know that what i've got in my hand is either a one three or seven mm -hmm. yep yeah. um so on your turn that's what you're doing you're, you're giving somebody else a clue um as to what you well everyone else you're giving them a clue as to what you have in your hand uh they can then decide if they've got enough information they can guess what it is if they guess what it is you get a victory point uh if you don't you uh the game gets a victory point. Uh, it calls it Doom. And 
the object of the the game is to get to seven victory points before the game gets to seven doom points. Whoever gets to the seven first wins the game. So the game will either beat you or you'll beat the game. Makes sense. Yep, and that is that is it. That's really the game. But the the game gets a bit more involved with what happens as well. So there's only the clue cards. There they have limited lifespans. So you can only use them certain amount of times, and that all depends on the number tile that you place in front of them. And there's a couple of other conditions which I won't go into. But once you've used that card, um, and it, it's now bust, you can't use it anymore. It flips over, um, and when it flips over, you will either, if you haven't taken a guess, if you haven't guessed somebody's fate that turn, then you get two uh, doom penalty for for the card flipping over but on the flip side of the card there is an effect you can use as a bonus effect so some of the effects are as as easy as you get two guesses this turn if you're going to guess or if you guess incorrectly you don't get any negative points you know and there's all sorts of different things on the back of these cards as well so And that's really cool. But the the coolest thing I thought about it was when we were playing is, you know, I draw two tiles out of the bag, I keep one, and then I give you the clue with the other one. Um, If you don't guess, that's fine. It's no problem at all. It goes around to the turn again. I then draw one more tile out, and then I place a tile on the board to give you a clue. And... The thing is, how do you know which one that I place on the boat? You know, is it which one have I placed or, um, you know, I'm giving you a clue now. The clue that I gave you in the previous turn, is that still valid? Uh, So So you need to try. There's not a rule or something that says that the next, if you change token, then the first clue still has to be valid or anything like that? No, no. There isn't, and that's what because otherwise it'd be quite easy. Yeah. Yeah. So you could. Um, there is a, a a mechanic in the game that, let's say, you wanted to, you know, only you keep that one and tr- and not give another clue, but you get penalised. The group gets pe- heavily penalised for that. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, myself and I played two games. And the first time we played, we got the the game beat the living hell out of us <laughs> because you know you're trying to game the game, um, and in you spend more energy you know thinking about how am I going to get around this? If we do this, we take the penalty. How can we avoid the penalty? And that's the kind of the, the things that you're thinking about doing. Um, what we found was that if you play the game and you know you talk through uh, your your thought process, we found it worked a lot easier. Um, but the hardest thing about the game, though, is when you're playing... Uh, so I place my clue down for Kieran and Paul, and they're talking through, and they're, they're going, right, okay, well, he played 
a number two the last time, so he can't possibly have a number two in his hand. Yeah. And you can see the other tiles that have been played in the board, and you're talking through this logic. The rule is that if you're the person who they're trying to guess whose fate it is, you're not allowed to give them any clue at yeah. all. You have to remain okay. silent. Makes sense. Um, and that, that's the hardest thing as well, because then you end up just like putting your head in the desk and going, right, okay. <laughs> um, but we had a lot of fun. Um, really good game. It sounds good. Um, yeah, when, when you're explaining it to people, it sounds like a hell of a brain burner and it sounds very complicated. But it's one of those, because I was telling Anne about it, we had the two games on the table and I'm giving her a quick rundown of what it is. And she pulled this face about, oh no, I don't want to play that game. And so we played the other game which is a story I'll tell you shortly. But <laughs> uh, So we played that one, and then we came back to this one, and she was still pulling the face, and I set everything out. And I said, right, look, just try one round. And she, it, it plays better than it is. It's easier to play it than it is to explain it. Um, and, yeah, really good game. It's one of those... It looks absolutely gorgeous. The artwork in it is stunning. The components are its little wooden tiles. You get a velvet bag to put the the fake tiles in. Just a high quality game. And yeah, I, I think that was the reason that, well, you'd seen it, Kieran, and then you'd given it to me to, uh, to have a look at it. it was because of the art. Yeah, it was mainly the artwork and like the. I'm a sucker for any board game that uses kind of tarot-sized cards. As dumb as that is, like, <laughs> it's, it's a nice little thing. But yeah, the art was the main thing. I will say that I'm actually a little bit disappointed by the quality of the, the bag that they give you. Yeah, um, it's, like, it's not, not, it's not the best. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. It's, it's fine. It's just... Yeah, was, in comparison to the rest of it, I think, yeah. I think it's just that thing where... Um, you know, because it's kind of similar to the level of bag, the quality of bag that most games come with when they have these kind of bags yeah but then also there's love letter and you know they kind of it's unfair to compare things to love letters bag yeah because they use the the kind of soft uh soft velour yeah that is the main thing is they're softer these ones feel kind of a bit rigid which is yeah fine there's nothing wrong with them um but it's nice, it's got stitching on it. It says Shipwreck Arcana. Looks pretty. Yep. Uh, the little tokens are nothing special, they're just little coloured bits of, you know. I mean, they're kind of chunky, I guess is good. Um, and they just have numbers on them. But the cards are where it feels like all of their production went into. Like, they are, they are big, they are pretty, they're super colourful, which is one of the main things for me. Um, all of the artwork looks like you know it's got a very cohesive art style that's really nice yeah um, uh-huh. and that's just the main reason I bought it I, I barely even looked at the rules really <laughs> it's just like it's pretty I want it uh, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to playing it um, it does sound like it, it works well and I don't have yeah. a lot of cooperative um, games so yeah it's and it's one of those so some cooperative games can take ages to play um it says 20 minutes in the box and it's not far off. That's not bad. This is, not, this is one I might end up taking out to work and playing at lunchtime or something. I think it'll go quite well. Alright. Yeah, I um, I think it would. So, yeah. 
Cool. When I can eventually get um, back into work. When the snows have yeah. gone. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, cool. So, you also played a game that we played, uh, I think, around about Christmas time, um, and that was Secrets. Yes. Uh, Paul got me this for Christmas, and I decided to play it. Um, we we played it as kind of our warm-up thing before we played Rising Sun. Yep. And it was really fun. It went down really well. Everyone really liked it. Um, for people that haven't heard our other episode talking about it, Secrets is like a really simple uh, kind of hidden role game where people are either communists, uh, Americans, or he- uh, hippies. And the way it went, the way that it works is everyone takes a turn drawing two cards, and they can choose. They have to show everyone what those two cards are, but then they have to offer one of those cards to another player who can either take it or refuse it. And if they refuse it, the person who offered it has to take it. But when they offer it, they're offering it face down, so no one knows which one of the two cards they have it is. They know it is one of these two, but they don't know which one it is. And the cards all have point values on them as well as a special ability that they do. So if you accept it, that card goes in front of you, you have those points and you do the thing it says on it. And often things involve switching roles with people. So you get a big kind of chunky plastic token which is one of the best things about this game because they're just so nice to move around. Um, You get one of these big plastic tokens that has your your role on it. It has, you know, the a communist symbol on it. It has a uh, eagle if you're an American, or it has the, yeah. the peace symbol on it. And a lot of the cards will have things that will say like, um, you put a spare one in the middle, and it'll say like, flip over the middle one, so everyone can see what it is. <clears throat> then everyone closes their eyes, and then swap one person's token on either your right or your left with that middle one. And after that point, it just means that the person on your right or your left doesn't know which group they're in, doesn't know which you know uh, which role they have, and so it makes the whole like getting points and giving points because the main thing is you're giving cards to people, so you're basically giving points to people, and so you kind of want to try and figure out is this person the same role as me, because if the Americans get the combined highest score, then they win. But if the communists get the combined highest score, then they win. Um, and the hippies, if the hippies have the lowest score, then they win. So you're sitting trying to figure out, like, well, if that person's a communist and I'm a communist, I should give them this one because it gives them more points. But I don't... But there's no way to really... like. It was really fun to watch people playing that for the first time because no one except me had played that game before. Right, okay. And seeing people trying to figure it out in their head. And you could you were like looking at what people were doing and you could see that people were like thinking about it and going, I know what his is because I saw it last turn. I know what that one... I know what hers <laughs> is because I know that I swapped it with the one in the middle, which was this... I think this one is this and then like within like two turns all those roles have changed again and no one knows who anyone is <laughs> and it's like 
you try you can try really hard and it probably is possible to you know keep track of what everyone is but you're never a hundred percent sure yes so like by the end i thought i knew like early on because the first thing you do also is you at the start of the game when everyone gets their role you get to look at your own and you get to look at the person on your right and so it means you know yes. the person on your right they don't know what yours is but they know what their person on the right is so everyone has some information to start with and i started and i was the same role as the person on my right and so I was giving them point cards and stuff like that. But by the end of the game, their role had changed so many times, I wasn't sure if they were still the same role as me. So I was like, <laughs> I was trying to keep track of it. But at a certain point, it was like, oh, well, close your eyes and we're going to swap these. And it's like, well, I don't know now. Maybe he's the same role. <laughs> Maybe it's changed. Uh, and the role that we kind of self-implemented, because it doesn't really mention in the rules, but it's kind of necessary, which is... When you have that one where you close your eyes, everyone has to close their eyes and you get to change the tokens, at least fucking pretend to move someone else's token. <laughs> like Pretend to move both of them because yes. you have to move yeah. to hear it. Otherwise, you just hear them because they're big, chunky bits of plastic. So, yes, yeah, yeah. So basically what we were doing was we were... Um, like taking the other token from the middle and then and like just, lifting yeah, both just of them, things are... yeah, and like clicking yep. them and just pretending a bunch, basically taking a few seconds to fuck with people, um, which is fun in its own right. Uh, it's great. It's it's one of those things where you can't go into taking it too seriously because, like I said, it changes so much. It's actually like impossible, or pretty much impossible, to keep track of what is going on a hundred percent of the time, which is the point. Um, but if you go into it just you know for a bit of light fun to kind of warm up before a bigger game or something like that, it's it's perfect for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I love that game. It's really good. Uh, I also took Red Scare with me, and then we didn't have time to play it again. So I've still not played Red Scare, which is another <laughs> Americans versus Communists Cold War game. It's the one that has the funky decoder glasses and. Right. I'm gonna get it played, cause I really want to play that one. It was just what we're, dis- what we're discovering is Kieran just really likes being a communist, uh, or dealing with communists, deporting. I, I just mm. like being a communist. Whatever. You just like being a com. You just whatever. like being a communist. I'm, I'm a, sorry. I'm a big old lefty, as it turns out. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Scottish. Who knew? Um. Yeah. But, uh, Mike, you've been playing uh, more of uh, Friedman Fries's fast-forward fable games. Yes, I have, yeah. So I played the final one that oh, I have played. Oh, the final Friedman Fries fable well, fast-forward game. Yeah. <laughs> the last one at the moment. Uh, <laughs> but, yes, I try not to use any more Fs. Uh, ah, so... the fucking fable. Oh. <laughs> we played uh, Fleet. So Flea is the third one out of the the three that have come out so far. And Flea is, uh, it's a cooperative game as well. Mm -hmm. But man, is it hard. It is extremely bloody hard. The best way, you know, you want to try and describe it to people so that they'd be interested in it, but you don't want to give too much away. So the... It's uh, a four-player game, or up to four players, and you the the theme of the game is that you are trying to run away from the the monster 
there's a monster chasing you and if the monster ever catches you the game is finished yeah uh so you the best way of describing it is it's kind of like uh past the bomb or there's a card that you don't want to get caught with which is the monster card okay scabby queen yes yeah so if your turn ever starts if it's your turn to play a card and you have the monster card with you the game's over everyone loses okay okay so the object then is to use the cards that everyone has and you're trying to either avoid that person's turn or you can get them to swap cards with somebody but you're basically trying to pass this hot potato mm-hmm. around so that no one it so that it's never where it's going to be so it can end the game yeah and that is fucking difficult so you find you know the, the game's uh, set up the same way as any of the other games like flee uh, sorry fear and fortress you know there's a deck of 90 cards and they're numbered so mm-hmm. you when you first play you get a setup and then you start drawing cards if you lose the game before you hit a certain point it's called chapter 1 and if you once you get to chapter 1 something then happens and the game continues the story happens and carries on but if you lose before you get to chapter one, you have to reset the whole thing and go again. And it's basically the game feels like it would be more if it had a time travel theme. Yeah. You know those time travel movies that you see where uh you know somebody gets killed or something happens and then they don't do everything right and it resets, everything resets, so you know exactly what's gonna happen. You know yeah, what cards are in the, at the top of Yes, yeah. Or you know happy what cards Yes, yeah. We we went to go and see that in the cinema, but we watched it today to stave off the snow. Um, <laughs> that movie is surprisingly the, uh, good. I, I it is. I didn't expect anything <laughs> from it, and it's like, oh, they actually made a quite good slasher Groundhog Day. Weird. Yeah, because it's two genres. Because it's got the, it needs the comedy in it, and yeah. it blended really well. Um, yeah. Yes, we we were saying that again today as well. That it was a really good film. But yeah, this is what uh, Flea feels like because once you fail and you will fail um, and not just once, you will fail several times, you know what cards are coming up and you're then uh, you're not even playing your character, the uh, the one character or the two characters you're controlling if you're playing only two people it's more a discussion of the whole mechanic of the game and how it works it's right well it's the you know it's this person's turn first that uh he can only do this and this if the, if he plays this card that happens and you're working out all these permutations and this game is a brain burner it is fucking difficult it will melt your brain into a million pieces and i quite like it yeah <laughs> it sounds good um yeah, it is very, very, very difficult. So, Anna and myself played it um, before we played Shipwreck Valkana, mm-hmm. and we stopped. We, I think, we tried it three times. It's like that. This is just burning our brain. It's not, <laughs> you know, we wanted something light and kind of relaxing that we could sit and play yeah. and you know while away a couple of hours in the hotel. Yeah. 
and shipwreck flea. arcana sounded like it wasn't that flea sounded like it was yes. that and you got it the wrong way around exactly yeah um it's a good game i've played it again once since and i got a couple of a couple of cards further but i've still to get to chapter one i've still to get to the save point um but yeah i think the biggest thing that i would say about it is yeah i think you missed a trick it it would have been better as a time travel game uh, you know or a time travel theme the theme of it as it is is like a alice in wonderland thing yes it is it's alice in wonderland so you've got one one character is alice one character is the mad hatter one of them is is it one of the Tweedle characters? Oh, yeah, in the March Hare, I think. March Hare, yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. But yeah, you've you've got those four characters, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's fine. But I, I think it would have been. It would have just a time travel thing that you know the Groundhog Day thing would have suited it a lot better. You know, the, your your day is going to keep resetting and resetting until you get it right, and when it does, then the next part of the the mystery unfolds. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with the rest of it. It seems like it might be a bit uh, lengthier than the other Fable games as well, just because of the difficulty. Yes, yeah. Because it so seems the, like you, you got through all of Fortress and all of uh, the other one. Fear. Fear. You got through both of those basically in like a sitting or a set, two settings like really quickly yes. um, whereas this one seems like yes. it's going to last a bit longer just because it's harder and I yeah, guess um, I guess also because it's a cooperative thing so it's a thing you can lose like yes, we yeah. had a couple of games of Fortress where we kind of you know called it a mulligan and we didn't bother taking the next five cards and mixing them in because you know the three cards that end the game came up in the first three cards so there's no point like, yes. you know, it's like whatever but this is specifically kind of built around not that specifically but you know uh-huh. being able to lose it whereas Fortress generally yeah. you have a winner because it's competitive someone will win uh-huh. yeah um, yeah it does feel i mean the box says that the game takes 90 90 minutes i think it is um and when you're reading the back of the box for the other two it says you know uh a game takes 10 to 15 minutes and it'll take you 10 or so plays it still says that it but it the only thing it doesn't say it doesn't say it'll take you 10 to 15 minutes to play a game mm-hmm. Um, but it does say it will still take you 10 to 15 plays to play through. So it, I think that is the main mechanic of it. It is meant to be very, very difficult, and it is meant, you know, the puzzle is figuring out what cards to play when. Um, so, yeah, recommend it, but I would, I, I think I'd be careful who I'd play it with. Yeah, that's fair. Um you know, may- maybe let people know, or just even be aware yourself, because it is fortress and, and fear are very light. They're like fabled fruit. You can bring it out, and you can show it to anyone and play it, and everyone will they'll appreciate the mechanics and what the game's doing and what it's trying to do, and have a lot of fun. Flea would it could frustrate the wrong people. 
Yeah, okay, you know, okay. and if you if if you think it's a light game to show to you know people just getting into the hobby, it's not. Trust me, it's not. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I'd rather show people one of the escape room games because you know what you're getting with it. This one, I still don't know what I'm getting. Once I get to chapter one, I don't know what it's going to do. And that, that to, for, for me, that is very exciting and very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but not for everyone. Not for everyone else. And also the game is playable solo as well, like most co-ops. Um, oh, right. This one, it lends itself to being more playable uh, solo as well. That's cool. I don't know. Because, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, maybe maybe try it with somebody first mm-hmm. and see, you know, how you get on. But yeah, um, I think you could play it again. You know, you could finish it solo and then play it with friends. I don't think it would be a problem because it's yeah. There's a certain way to do things, but by the time you got through all ninety of those cards, I think you would have forgotten. Yeah, you know. So playing with some, and then if you're playing cooperatively with other people, they're not going to make the same decisions that you would have. So, yeah, uh, it's good. Uh, I'm glad he did something completely different for this one, yeah. and I'm looking forward to do what. Uh, looking forward to see what he's got coming with. Uh, he has got a few more in the pipeline, so I'm curious to see what he does with those as well. Yeah, yeah, same. I. I like to see I've still only played Fortress out of these three. Alright, um, okay. But I love the idea and I love Fortress, so I'm interested in seeing, you know, the end of Fortress to start with. I was going to finish Fortress yesterday at launch time and then you know, the snows happened. We all had to <laughs> we had to evacuate, so Yes. <laughs> so no one was there at lunch time to play board games unfortunately. Um but I'm looking forward to finish, finishing off Fortress and then my intention is to play Fear after that and then eventually Flee and I look forward to seeing what he does with this system more Like, I think that this small scale kind of fast forward system he's built works better than Fable Fruit works Like as much as yeah, I like Fable Fruit um, I feel like I'd sorry like Fable I, I was just going to say that Fable Fruit I, it takes too many games to get through all those cards and all those rules yeah, yeah. I think if, um, if Fable Fruit had less repeats of the same cards which it kind of needs to to work but if it had slightly fewer of them so that you're uh, getting through different rules faster yes I know what you mean Yeah, I think that would probably be enough to to help it but I mean Fable Fruit is still a good game like it, but it feels yes. very much after playing Fortress and hearing about these other two, it makes Fable Fruit feel like a first attempt at a thing, and then it feels like the second attempt is better, and it makes me excited uh-huh. to see what the third attempt is like. Cool. Yeah. Um, Excellent. So I think that's as for all sorts of games. Have we got any news? Uh, yeah, only a couple of things though. Um, because we already talked about the Yakuza 6 thing. Uh, the the demo issue. Uh, so, we go here. We have... Uh, there's a Sea of Thieves uh, skill test happening this weekend. Um, okay. Nice. Which, you know, will be too late for the people listening to this because by the time our podcast goes up, it'll be over. But, 
you know, it means that we might be able to talk about it next week because anyone can get into it. And I already have it downloaded because I played the uh, closed beta the weekend just there. Um, All right, okay. Which I didn't talk about because I'm, I'm not 100% sure what the insider rules are. They had a strict NDA on it before, but I think it's gone now because, you know, other people have played it. Like, it's out there. They were letting people stream it. So I assume it's fine now, but I'll double check that before next podcast so I can actually talk about Sea of Thieves. Um, at the very least, it comes out in like a few weeks. So, whatever. Cool. Uh, yeah. What else we got? Uh, the PlayStation Plus games for this month have been announced. Yes. Um, so, for March, we're getting Bloodborne and Ratchet and Clank for the PS4, which are the main big two. And. Yep. Yeah also uh, Bombing Busters which is like a kind of Bomberman uh, I was going to say rip off but it's kind of cruel, it's Bomberman style game uh, a horror game called Claire Extended Cut and Legend of K Anniversary for PS3 and the big best game that everyone's super excited for, uh, Mighty Number no. 9 <laughs> everyone loves Mighty Number no. 9 right? oh yeah yeah I'm gonna play that. That's the thing. Like, free is a good price for me to finally actually play yeah. Mighty Number no. Nine. Yeah. Man, I feel like I'm, I dodged a bullet with that one, not back in the Kickstarter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I. I feel so sorry for the people that backed the Kickstarter on that one. Yeah, but hey, it's free. That seems like a good way to play a bad Mega Man game. Maybe they fixed yes. it at some yes. point and just no one paid attention. Um. Ah quite possible both those Um, made to like Bloodborne and Ratchet and Clank are outstanding games yeah Um, that Ratchet and Clank is the remake of the first Ratchet and Clank they made to go alongside the movie Um, the movie that oh right completely Um, I like that movie that movie's okay but the game's really good one of the best 3D platformers on the PS4 Um, recommend people playing it's also just one of the prettiest games on the PS4 uh-huh. Like you know, every time any developer announces a remake or a remaster, they're like, "Oh, we made this game look like a modern generation game," and it never does. This one, they 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 did. They just made a new Ratchet and Clank, basically, but with some of the old levels in it. Um, so yeah, people should definitely play that. Uh, other news stories. Cool. Uh, Metal Gear Survive came out and bombed. Yep. Horribly. Bombed terribly. <laughs> Um. Yeah, it's flopped terribly at UK retail, and also the Steam sales are low. So right, not doing great. Unfortunate for a spin-off of Melgar Survive. Um, people are definitely kind of torn on that game. Like it sounds like the bit where it still plays like Metal Gear Solid Five means it still plays great, but then uh-huh. everything they've built around it is apparently quite bad. So yep. Seems like it's kind of grindy survival game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not into that. Um, and then all our new story I've got here is uh, 3D Realms' new game. I mean, technically it's 3D Realms. It's actually made by Voidpoint, but they're it's being published by 3D Realms. You may know them as the makers of Duke Nukem and uh, other old first-person shooters. Yes. Did, did they make Rise of the Triad? They may have made that. They made 
that one with the sword. Um, with heavenly sword? No, no, not heavenly sword. Uh, that one with the sword. Oh, the main dude. He's called Lil Wang. He was super racist. Um, it got a re a reboot relatively recently, and they were actually quite good. Ugh, whatever. Um, they made a bunch of old tours. Anyway, they're publishing this game called Ion Maiden, which is a terrible name. I really hate that name so much. <laughs> it's <laughs> fucking worst. Um, but it's using the engine that they used to use for things like Duke Nukem 3D, and they've made a new game of that style in the old engine, and made it a bit more modern looking with some you know modern trappings. It looks alright. Cool. Yep. Um, I don't. I don't really have nostalgia for that kind of old school first person shooter because I was too young at the time for them. So, <laughs> you know, I respect ones like <laughs> Doom and Doom 2 because I played them way after the fact and those games are still really good. But I don't yeah. think Duke Nukem 3D was ever good. Uh, no, I don't think so. So, yeah. Uh, but that's all I've got for news. Little bit I've hey. got, just oh. looking here when I was doing some scrolling around the internet. Is anyone excited for Detroit Become Human? I, I am curious. Uh, I really they've don't just like announced, any David Cage games. They've just Cold announced movies. the release date for that. It is May 25th of this year. Cool. Yeah, it's really soon. Excellent. So, uh, I, I've i got a little bit of news. Uh, I'm not too sure if anyone's actually picked up on this, but... Um, PlayStation Plus, uh, from after the 8th of March 2019, so it's a year away, mm -hmm. they're withdrawing PS3 and PS Vita games. Mm. Okay. So uh, a year from now, we're not going to get any more uh, Vita games or PlayStation 3 games on PlayStation Plus. Yep. Uh, yeah, sorry, I meant so, to mention that with the other releases. Um. Yeah, that is... Now... Yeah, fair enough with PlayStation 3, but does that mean that uh, we're um, we're getting a new console soon? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's one of three ways it can go. Like, either they think they can just release enough higher quality, like this tier of PS4 games, like what we're getting this month of like Bloodborne and Ratchet and Clank. Yep that they can yeah. justify only giving two games of PlayStation Plus every month or mm -hmm. PlayStation 5 is around the corner and they're going to start rolling out games for that as well Yeah, which there's been rumours about it but not solid enough ones that I would think it would be you know next year you know it seems a bit yeah, close let's, a bit let's not have playstation yeah. 5 i can't afford an upgraded console yeah. at this stage <laughs> um, yes yeah. and then the third one i third option i think of is that they just haven't announced it yet but they're going to increase the number of games we get so it's not just two uh, ps4 yeah. games they could go hey we're getting rid of these because they didn't say they were replacing them with anything they just said hey we're getting rid of these Yes, but that's right. Yeah. Maybe they're going to increase the number of PS4 games by a couple. Maybe they're going to roll PSVR games into it. Maybe they don't want to, you know, jump the gun and assume that PSVR will still be a thing in a year. So they don't want to say yeah. now, hey, we're going to add two PSVR games every month starting in a year's time because PSVR might not 
exist in a year's time. Because, <laughs> yes, yeah. Know, they're they're still selling that off with a game for three hundred quid. It's apparently doing quite well. Like I, I don't mean that in the. I mean that VR in general is not doing super well, but PSVR is doing apparently what they expect it to do. Um, because they just released a new model of it relatively recently. It lets you do yeah. HDR pass through. Um. I was tempted to buy one. I would make it at some point. But yeah, I'm interested to see what they do. Like, if it's a new console, then it's about the right time range for it. But it doesn't feel yeah. like it. I feel like because I was thinking about this the other day, where the last generation of consoles lasted way too long. Like it was nearly ten years. Like it was the Xbox 360 and the PS3 were out for insane amounts of time, longest of any console. And yes, I don't think these consoles will last that long because they were underpowered at launch. Like, at launch, the games they that were coming out for the PS4 and the Xbox One were, you know, they were graphically impressive, but they weren't running super well. And they've got better a bit over time, but still, like, PCs overtook consoles at launch, which is not how this usually works. No, no. And so it's about time, like most generations last about five years and we're getting close to that for these ones like it's been a few years now um uh, yeah so like it makes sense in time wise but also i feel like the other takeaway from it for me is games take longer to make now so it feels like we've had less of them and so the generation feels shorter because it's like we've had less massive games than other year other generations yeah but i don't know it's, it could be We'll see at E3, I guess. If yeah. There, if yeah. there's going to be a new PlayStation next year, then we will hear about it this year. Yes. Maybe yeah. they're going to do a Vita 2. I wouldn't bet on it. <laughs> I wouldn't expect them to make another handheld at all ever again. But No. 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 I'd no. buy one if they did, probably. Um. I like the Vita. I like the Vita, but I don't, I don't know if I would with the Switch now. That's the thing. That's true. I can, yeah. Yeah. Um... And also, I just found out having a new story. I forgot that Ben sent a couple of things uh, that were for last week's podcast, uh, which we didn't record. So, um, we have a release date for Onrush, which is Codemasters' new racing game. It's kind of arcadey racing oh, game. Oh yeah. Uh, from the makers of Drive Club, because Codemasters picked up most of that studio. Yep. Um, not all of it, but basically most of those developers went to Codemasters and got their own team to make. A game, and the game they're making is Onrush, and it looks quite a lot like Motorstorm. So it's like, all right, cool. You guys just went back to making what you guys make. That's fine. Um, cool. It's no coming out the fifth of June. Okay. Cool. I'm gonna buy that just, game. I'm. Even yeah, me too. Even if it's bad, I'm gonna fucking buy that game because. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, that's all the news I've got. I've got one little extra tip bit of complete nonsense to fling into the news section. Sounds good to me. If you pre-order Final Fantasy XV, the edition for PC, Windows edition, before May 1st this year, you will unlock two suits for in the game that come directly from The Sims. This is only if you pre-order on EA's Origin, Origin store. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. saw this. They're terrible. They're hideous. They look absolutely awful. They're based apparently they're based on two superhero costumes that are in The Sims 4. Um, yep. but they look fucking terrible. Plumbob <laughs> and Llama. Uh, Llama Man or something like I that. I like that what the Plumbob one has the little Plumbob 
because the plum bob is the name of the stupid green diamond that is above some sims heads um, yeah the plum bob suit has that above it but then the rest of the suit looks fucking terrible <laughs> it's awful if it was on the just... plus side though you can dress your uh, noxus up as a sims character barely no and if you've just got no. the Sims, you can also um, make your character in the Sims look like Noctis. I mean, you could probably already no. that. Although, I don't know, they reduced a lot of the customization stuff in the Sims 4. Oh, yeah, that's some news, I suppose. That's news. <laughs> no, that's a good one. I forgot about that one. Cool. Uh, so, new release wise, there's not much. We talk about everything's uh, coming out. Everything. Well. Okay, we're nothing. we're only talking up the window to the 9th of March, so we've got Final Fantasy 15 Windows Edition comes to PC that Yay. Paul just mentioned. Uh, there is I'm quite interested in this one. It's the TT Isle of Man racing game uh, coming to nice. PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Uh, uh, there is a PlayStation VR game called Bravo Team. That, that comes like out on the seventh. Fucking generic video game name, like Bravo Team. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. The only thing you can make it more generic is if you release the game called Shootman. Shootman. <laughs> like Jesus. Put some effort into it. Shootman is real good. <laughs> I'd buy. I'd buy a game called Shootman. Okay, I take it back. Never mind. It's fine. Sometimes the simplest ones are the best. <laughs> uh, we've also got a, another one of the PlayStation PlayLink games coming out called Frantics. All right. Um, I'm just looking to actually see what it is. It's uh, it's an arcade style game. I think it's, if I remember correctly, I think this is the kind of cartoony one. Yeah. And you've got the the cartoon characters uh, fighting with each other and. So it's watching, a little bit Smash Brothers here. I think. watched a trailer. There's a real fucking. The art style of this game is bizarre. <laughs> there's a real fucking yeah. shit bag of a fox that looks rough as fuck. All the characters in this look <laughs> rough as fuck. Jesus, what is this? This continues the yeah. um, the thing where I'm not sure who these play link games are really for, but you know, <laughs> whatever. I like the art style. Yes, one. it's very, it's kind of claymation. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I I'll have a look at that when it comes out. Double check what it is. Uh, there's Scribble Not Showdowns coming out for the PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. I might buy that. No. I don't know. I th- no, no. I thought we were over Scribble Knots. Uh, I'm over Scribble Not. I didn't like Scribble Knots much to start with. It was a cool okay. idea yeah, that I, they. It was a cool idea that they completely failed to actually ever make a good game around. Um, yeah, because you could cheat it, and and yeah. even if you could cheat, cheat it, like it just never felt great. Like it was a cool idea. Yeah, it felt like they yeah. built a mechanic and couldn't build a game around it. Scribble yeah. Showdown I is li- the same thing, but it's a party game. So yeah, yeah I I liked it uh, a little bit, but yeah, it the novelty wore off very yeah pretty quickly. I think. Uh, and then the last thing that we have is uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm Limited Edition. So I'm guessing this is a boxed version of the game. Yeah, I'd assume so. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that's 
everything I have listed on the website that I use, so I don't I don't know, has anyone got anything else? No, I don't think there actually is anything, that's kind of joking. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. one no. thing this month I'm pretty hype about, but it's not until the end, closer to the end of the month, I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Kirby, which is in a couple of weeks, but yeah. Far Cry 5. Oh god, uh, I'll probably end up packing up at some point, but not at lunch. <laughs> um, I, yeah, the only thing I say is there's a couple of things that have come out recently that we haven't mentioned just because we you know missed a week and also i think a couple of them were pc oh, right. that got announced yeah. basically as they came out so things like uh civilization 6 got an expansion called rise and fall it seems very Which, good it is very good i've watched a robert the bruce playthrough of it and it looks really fun mm. yeah that, this thing adds cool. adds scotland as a nation which is stupid like i i mean as a Scottish person, I'm pretty happy about it, but also it makes no sense in the context of that game. <laughs> At no point in history <laughs> did Scotland, you know, create an empire and invade a bunch of places or anything. We barely struggled to keep our own land against the English, and eventually we <laughs> failed. So, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, the fact that they've added the Scottish before they've added like the Turks aren't in that game. And Turkey, the Turkish Empire, was massive. It's whatever. It's nitpicking. I'm happy the Scottish are in it. It's, they're they're uh, <laughs> they're they're unique building. They can build as golf courses, which whatever. Fine. That's fair. That's reasonable. Um, Robert the Bruce is like the most emo fucking character in the world, which is oh, probably really pretty is. accurate. So that's pretty good. Yeah. They made them like super emo, which I'm way into. <laughs> yeah, I've not picked up that expansion yet, but like Paul, I've watched some playthroughs of it and stuff, so I'm probably gonna pick it up. It sounds like they, it sounds like they tried to change up the fundamentals of what civilization is. Like they changed some core mechanics that have been the same across every civilization game. So it sounds cool to me. Um, and then, as mentioned earlier, Stellaris got another expansion and a big update as well. So there's that. Uh, and also the game by the FTL developers came out uh, a couple of days ago. It just randomly came out. Um, you guys, We all played FTL. We all loved FTL, right? Yes. Yes, we did. Yes, yeah. Uh, their new game, uh, I think it's called Into the Breach. I want to say it's called Into the Breach. Uh, it came out. It's only on PC just now. It's kind of FTL-ish. It's like FTL... Mixed with XCOM, mixed with Advance Wars. Yeah, it looks pretty oh. funky. Um, which those are all games I like, so I'm probably gonna buy it. I might wait till it comes out on you know phones or Switch or something, um, because FTL was great as a kind of portable thing. Uh, but I might just buy it because it looks good. I don't know. I've heard good things about it so far, so. But that's all cool. the, the things I've got. Excellent. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think there's anything else. So I think the only thing left to do is thank everyone for tuning in, listening to our inane drivel, as they normally do. Um, if you want to send us an email, you can send us an email to podcast at glitchfreegaming.com. If they want to send us a tweet, Paul, where can they send a tweet to? At glitchfreegames. 
And if they want to find us on Facebook? They can find us on Facebook at Glitch Free Gaming. Just simply search for it. Cool. And what if they are looking for us on the internet? They can find us on glitchfreegaming.com. Or Google. Uh, and, and what if they want to what if they want to find some really good porn? Well go to uh, youtube.com and search <laughs> for Glitch Free Gaming. Find our YouTube channel where we get naked and review board games. <laughs> That's what we do now. You, uh, you guys stopped paying attention to the channel and I started uploading more videos <laughs> and you know. That's you why go. we're getting all those. That's why we're getting all those views. <laughs> you you got to go where the you, clicks you are, st- man. <laughs> you said that was just for an art project you were doing. It is art. It's my art. <laughs> I mean, they are tasteful. Oh, they're definitely not. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know what you what he made me do with that copy of Set as a Catan. <laughs> Do any of us even that... own a copy of Settlers of Catan? Not, not after that last video, no. Uh... On that note, I think we better go. Bye. See ya. Bye.